are certain fundamentals in life that help us to function at levels that we feel significant. Can you say amen to that? They include healthy relationships from your family and friends. Very important. Physical well-being through diet and exercise that I'm sure you can tell I've been participating in. Emotional wholeness is important. Emotional wholeness is important. And then finally, spiritual experiences and encounters with your creator or with the Holy Spirit. So when these essentials are in operation at a good level in our lives, it creates this feeling, not just the feeling, but the fact of happiness, of joy. When all of those things are operating at optimum levels, we feel satisfied. We feel happy. We feel joyful. The question is, what happens when one or more, God forbid, one or more of these are threatened, are destroyed? We ask ourselves the question, is there hope for a return to a place of happiness? a place of peace, a place of fulfillment. In other words, if you've ever had a setback, is there really a comeback? Christ is still the best example of the return. I want you to notice in our text that Jesus saw his own death as glorification. I'm going to say that again. He saw his own death as glorification. When Jesus said the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified, it was his choice to form his own perspective. He did not say the hour has come for the son of man to die. He said the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. His vision of this hour was powerful. It was purposeful. His use of words was strategic. When he says the hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified, in essence, he's saying, bury me. Bury me and you'll see the best of me. Bury me and you'll see the best of me. Write me off. Reject me. Crucify me. Kill me, put me in the grave, and you're going to see the best version of me. I came by to tell somebody this morning on an Easter resurrection Sunday morning that you may feel buried under the pressure of life, buried by rejection, depression, and oppression. But today, you're in the right place at the right time because you're about to get you a revelation that you are on your way back and the best version of you is in front of you and not behind you. I'm going to go ahead and preach now. The Lord didn't ask nobody their permission to choose you, save you, sanctify you, anoint you, call you. I wish I had a church that could hear me today. He didn't, ask, he didn't hold a vote. And ask everybody, was it all right to choose you? Hmm. So he has this vision. Somebody said it like this. That deep, unspeakable suffering 
may well be called a baptism, a regeneration, the initiation into a new state. And then Jesus dares to declare that the entirety of his existence is summed up in a word. And the word is seed. Say that word, seed. He said, unless the kernel of wheat fall to the ground and dies, it abides alone. It remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Buried. Covered up. Repressed. Placed underground. Buried. Hidden for a while. I like that definition. Hidden for a while. Some of you thought because you were buried underneath the circumstances of life that God forgot you. But Pastor Rick came by on Resurrection Day to tell you he was just hiding you for a better day. Buried. So he says, my whole existence is wrapped up in one word, seed. Except a seed of wheat fall to the ground or a kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die seed, seed. So I started thinking and my mind immediately races back to the bearership of time and I realized that there's a principle to seed and it's found in the beginning in Genesis chapter one, verses nine through 13. Oh, I won't read it all. I'll just reference it for you. Because I really could preach three hours. You can't preach three hours on Easter. You need to sit down. But in Genesis chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, the Bible says that God pushed the waters into one place. Watch it now. And he called forth dry land. So we see that in Genesis chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, that there's a resurrection that takes place that waters are moved back and dry land appears. My question is, how do you get dry land out of wet water? Only God can do that. He pushed back the water and he called forth. He revealed dry land. And then the Bible says in chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, that when he called forth dry land, he put forth vegetation in it. And watch what he said. There's a principle here that this vegetation would produce after its own kind. And it would be seed-bearing plants that produced after its own kind. Now, what I find interesting about the principle or the basis or objective of seed in the beginning is this fact. That all of this transpired, first mention of seed, transpired on the third day. Wait a minute. In creation, God waited to the third day to push stuff back, to call stuff up, to plant stuff in it, and then say whatever you put in it is what you're going to get out of it. And he did it all on the third day. So the principle is now established. 
the principle of seed is this, that seed produces after its own kind. Are y'all with me right now? Now stay with me. The next time seed is mentioned is not till chapter 3. I'm going to stay away from my notes here. Because chapter 3, verses 15, uh, let's see, verse 15, 14 and 15, now we've got a man and a woman. And we've got a woman that had talked to a serpent. And she disobeyed the orders of the Lord. And her husband participated. You know the story. Don't ever talk to the serpent. God sees what happens. He walks through the cool of the day. And he says, Adam, where are you? Now, you're going to tell me God is God and he don't know where Adam is. He's not asking him where you are. He's asking him, where are you in relation to the place I left you in? I know where you are, but do you know where you are? I just got a feeling that God is asking that question in this building today. I know where you are, but do you know where you are? And so... He says, now here's what's going to happen, Butch. He says these words. He says, now, because you've done this, I'm going to put enmity, warfare. He's speaking to the woman. Between your seed, careful now, and his seed. Watch what he says. His seed is going to bruise your seed's heel. But your seed is going to crush his head. Women don't carry seed unless they're pregnant. Here's my opinion. God was looking at Eve talking to Mary. Because God knows the end from the beginning. Are y'all with me so far? So he says the seed of the woman... It's going to crush the head of the enemy. Lord, help me not preach too long here now. Watch. God's so connected to seed, move on down in your Bible to chapter 7, that Noah builds an ark, and God tells him to put all living creatures two by two in the ark. And what does he say? Male and female. Why? Because two males can't create. Cancel culture. <laughs> Cancel culture. Oh, sorry about that. Now watch what he says in Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. He said, I want you to put them in there because I want the ark to preserve seed in the earth. God is so connected to seed that it wasn't just Noah and his ark that was supposed to be saved. But it was the seed that the ark was carrying that was supposed to be preserved. That's how much God is connected to seed. Y'all still with me? Third day, seed, protected, preserved. So I start thinking, Genesis chapter 12, how does God get from the prophetic to the manifestation of the purpose? There's a path. 
pick up in Genesis chapter 12, and God calls Abram. And he says, Abram, get up and get away from your family. Watch it now. And get away from your kind. And go to a land I will show you. Because right now, Abram, your kind ain't my kind. And in order for me to get my kind out of you, then you got to get your kind out of you. So he says now, in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 12, watch what he tells him, because you left. In verse 7 he says, the Lord appears to Abram and said, unto your seed I will give this land. Why did he need to get him away from his family and his kind? Because he wanted another kind. And then Abram, what you produce will possess this land. Is anybody in this building? So now watch what God's going to do. He's going to hook Abram up with a girl. Forgive my vernacular this morning. I feel a little countryfied. He's going to hook him up with a girl named Sarah. Now Sarah just happens to be barren. Sarah's going to laugh at Abram at 99 telling her, girl, we fitting her. And she laughs. God says, what are you laughing at? You know the story. What is God doing? God is hiding seed in barren places. Don't tell me he's not because Isaac's going to turn around and marry Abraham's son. Isaac is going to marry a barren woman named Rebecca. Isaac's son, Jacob, is going to turn around and marry a barren woman named Rachel. What is God doing? God is hiding the seed because the enemy would never think to look He would never think to look in barren places. And some of you come from barren places. And you're here today because God. All these barren women became pregnant. And they are perpetuating the seed through the Old Testament. Then the seed lands in the hands of Moses. But where is Moses? Boy, I don't want to preach too hard, but I feel this thing yet. Where is Moses? Moses is hidden in a basket along the bank of the river. And what is Moses' responsibility? To take a seed called the Israelites, watch, whom he has watched multiply in slavery. And the Bible says that the more Pharaoh oppressed the seed, the more it multiplied and the more it grew. Some of you need to realize you got something inside of you that when the pressure comes, it don't break you down. It just brings the best out of you. And the Israelites begin to multiply. And then God tells Moses, get my seed out of Egypt. And the seed wanders around for how many years in the wilderness? 
Forty years, that's the number of probation and maturity. Until God raises up a, con a conqueror named Joshua. And Joshua takes the seed into the promised land. The seed is so protected that God uses a prostitute. Wait a minute here. Hold on now. We're using barren women and prostitutes. We're using all kind of people to get this seed to the place it needs to be. He uses a shy boy named Gideon to protect the seed. He uses a disturbed man named Samson to procure the seed. Talk back to me. He gets to hold to a boy named David. I don't need to tell you about David because David is all messed up. And the Bible says that through David, the lineage of Jesus would come. I find it so interesting that Isaiah is going to say, in chapter 55, he's going to say, who shall declare his generation? David's going to answer him in Psalm 22 and he's going to say a seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. My question is, could that generation be sitting in this building right here? Because 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 tells you that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The word nation in the Greek is ethnos, which means ethnicity, which means all ethnic groups. I'm sorry to tell y'all, there ain't no black, white, Hispanic, whatever. That's, that's where you're from. That's not who you are. Who you are is bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are one race in this building. I feel my help coming. I think I'm going to preach a little bit here. So this seed runs on down through time till Paul gets a revelation of it and he says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone that hangs on the tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through who? The seed. Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. Brothers, I speak after the manner of men, though it be out of man's covenant, yet it be confirmed no man can disannul it and no man can add to it. Now to Abraham, listen to this, now to Abraham, where did we start? With Abraham. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He didn't say, and to seeds, as of many. He said, but as of one. Let me go ahead and say this too. There ain't many ways to heaven. I'm going to say it one more again. There ain't many ways to heaven. Jesus said, I am the truth, the life, and the way. He said, no man goes to the Father. Unless they come by me. There's not many seeds. There's one seed. There's one way. There's one truth. There's one life. There's one savior. There's one path. 
He said, and to your seed, which is Christ. Who is the seed? The seed is who? Say it loud. Christ. That seed is now not covered in a barren womb. It's covered in a virgin womb. And a virgin shall become pregnant of the Holy She shall conceive. What do you conceive? You conceive seed. By the Holy Spirit. Why? So that no man can say. Somebody shout, this is God's doing. Watch that seed grow up to be 12 years old. 12 is the number of government and he's in the temple and he's teaching teachers. Watch that seed go to a pool in John chapter 5 and heal a man who was sick for 38 years. Watch that seed in John chapter 8 kneel in the dirt when a woman's caught in adultery and say, you that without sin cast the first stone. What is he doing? He is showing that the seed is the master. You don't control the seed. You don't cancel the seed. The seed reigns. The seed is in control. He writes in the dirt. He heals at a, a man at a pool in, in Bethesda and at the five porches. He says, take up your mat. He goes to John chapter 11. He finds Lazarus buried. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came forth, bound hand and foot. Jesus looked at the people and said, loose him and let him go. You can be resurrected and still bound. You can be living and not alive. You can be alive and not lively. Today you're going to get your bounce back. I'm going to say it another, day, another way. Your grave clothes is coming off today. You're going to learn to be free in the Lord. He rides into Jerusalem. To the shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna, everybody's screaming Hosanna, Hosanna, and watch what he stops everything, and he says, unless a kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone, but if it die, it brings forth much fruit. If the seed dies, it brings forth many seeds. Now, I know this is going to feel weird, but I need to look, you to look at the person next to you and say, hello, seed. Now, you're going to get it in a minute. They didn't like you. Tell, tell the other person on the other side. It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces. If it dies... It produces many seeds. The seed had to be planted. The seed only needed three days to germinate. Woo, decomposition is always is not always a pleasing process. I pray for some of y'all this morning, Lord, decompose them. You ain't dead enough. Because if you was really dead, you wouldn't be so offended so easy. 
you was really dead in Christ, you wouldn't get mad over everything. You were really dead in Christ, you wouldn't feel compelled to post your opinion every five minutes. If you was really dead, you wouldn't care if they liked, thumbed, or heart anything you put up. It's Easter. The seed would produce after its kind. So we're not just seeds. We're seeds after a certain kind. I've said this every Easter for the last 40 years of preaching. I have to say it today. See, when they crucified Jesus and they put him in that tomb, they thought they were burying a man. They didn't know they were planting a seed. They thought we're burying a man. They didn't know they were planting a seed. See, if you understood that revelation, I'm sorry, here come my help now. Then you would get an attitude like the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. Where the Apostle Paul said, I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. But he said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I need to know who cut the power off. I need to know that. Because back in the day, we used to sing songs about send the power, Lord. Send the power. Send the power. And we would just sing that for about an hour. Tamarines. Y'all don't remember them old, some of them tamarines only have one little jingle on it. But we wanted the power. Nobody talks about the power no more. But see, what you must remember is when he resurrected, he gave instructions to his seeds. He said, Go tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit shall come upon you you shall receive see I don't see power no more because power lets you know you can bounce back when you need to bounce back now I don't know if anybody else in here has ever been unplugged but I have oh yeah I've been unplugged in the dark living crazy but one day I realized all I got to do is just connect back to the power that's what Micah said in chapter number 6 he said oh enemy don't gloat over me when I fall because I yet shall arise some of you need to tap back into the power the reason you're not being used at the level that God wants to use you is you have forgotten the power that rests in the seed that is in you. I dare a Pentecostal person to throw their hands up and shout, send the power, Lord. You didn't shout it like you meant it. Shout it again. Now, some of you are wondering, Pastor Rick, is all this necessary? Yeah, because the most important thing about the seed was the power of the seed, not the potential of the seed. 
Because potential has to be developed. Power is innate. You either got it or you ain't got it. If you ain't reaching your potential, it's because you are not exercising your potential. But power and potential are two different things. Power is innate. If you touch it, you feel it. And I'm wondering what's happened to the power. And you're saying, Pastor Rick, what are you talking about? Let me tell you it's in the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Mark this. In the last days, there's going to be terrible times. Watch what he says. Because the church will have a form of godliness. But they will deny the power thereof. We got church today and we look godly. But I don't remember seeing anybody delivered lately. I hope you feel convicted because you've been placated for about 30 years. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You wouldn't know if the Holy Ghost power showed up in a service. See, I've been praying, Lord, bring the power back to the house to where we're in worship and people are getting saved. We in worship and backsliders are coming to the altar because they can't resist the power. See, the main thing about, go ahead, Mike. The main thing about the seed is the power that's in the seed. If you realize who you were, you would never stay down. The minute you went down, you would bounce back up. Why? Because you got power living inside of you. And if Christ be in you, Romans chapter 8, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, then he that raised Jesus from the dead will also quicken not, watch this, not your immortal bodies. He will quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. You got everything you need living inside of you to make the greatest comeback history has ever experienced. Some of y'all been down too long and Pastor Rick came by to tell you, welcome to your resurrection. I dare you to look at somebody and tell them I'm coming back. I've been buried. They gave up on me. They threw dirt on me. They forgot about me. But something is moving at the mouth of the tomb. I'm about to come out. It means to resurge, to roll in like a wave. Resurrection, a sudden move. And suddenly there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled the house where they were sitting. This is when the power showed up in Acts chapter 2. I've been praying, God, would you exhale? Would you send the wind back to the sanctuary and let the people know your power is still alive? I'm almost done. I'm going to say something strong here. There's no need for resurrection until you've been buried. 
Why would you resurrect if you haven't been buried? There's no need for resurrection until people give up on you. There's no need for resurrection until people throw dirt on you, bury you, and forget you. And then God says, I'm about to bring you back. Listen to it. Here's what the word means, resurrect, to bring back to activity and prominence. Some people just mad because you alive. Some people just mad because you made your comeback and they don't know what to do with it. They didn't give their permission. I know him. I know her. Y'all really need to read the story of Lazarus because when Lazarus was resurrected in John chapter 12, you know what the Bible says? That the people did not only come to see Jesus, they came to see Lazarus. God is about to put you back in such prominence, people are going to just sneak up just to see. Is that really you? You made that kind of comeback? You resurged like that? You blew up like that? And then you're going to smile, wave, and say, only God, only God can do what he did. I didn't do this for myself. Somebody in here is about to resurrect out of some problems, out of some situations, out of some depression, out of some oppression. Somebody jump on your feet and shout, I'm on my way back. I'm on my way back. Shout it as loud as you can. I'm on my way back. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you ain't seen the best version of me. Lord, have mercy. You know what I feel in this building right now? Like something is rattling. Something is moving around. I dare you to shout real loud, open the grave. Look, y'all, we got 10 minutes of church left. Don't leave. Don't leave. No one leave. Shout it again, open the grave. I'm coming out. There's a lot of songs been written over the last two years, but I like this one right here. Tell your neighbor I hear something rattling. Dead man. 
church one more time give God that shout of praise everybody we're gonna be leaving in about five minutes let me ask this question how many of you in this building you say pastor Rick I have felt buried I have felt buried and I really want to come back in my life. I really do. I want to return to my purpose. I want to return to the real reason for living. If that's you, would you raise your hand real high and let me see you. I'm not going to call you to the front. That's a lot of hands going up. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I want everyone in this room to pray this prayer after me, please. Just say, dear Jesus, I thank you. That you love me with an unconditional love. I ask you right now to forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I want to live for you. And I have certainly felt buried at times in my life and even recently. But today, I believe you have opened the grave. And I'm coming out. And I thank you, Lord, that when we pray like this, we are made a new creation. And old things pass away, and all things become new. Thank you, Lord, for dying, being buried, and rising again on the third day. Now I know I can too. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. At this time, we're going to receive communion together, and the porters are going to pass the articles at this time. Is that right, Josh, or are they going to do it up here? Okay. You're going to come and get your articles momentarily. And take it back to your seat. Do not receive communion until we all do it together. Right? We're going to all participate together. All right? So here's what I want you to do. Those of you who are participating in the Passover offering. And if you need to know what that's all about, go listen to Wednesday's, Wednesday night's teaching on the Passover offering. And you'll find ten promises that are connected to the Passover offering. In Exodus chapter 23. So there should be an envelope near you, and I want you to prepare your Passover offering. And when you come to receive these articles, just drop your offering in the basket up here. And then you can return to your seat. God is good, isn't he? This is our Super Bowl, y'all. This ain't the NFL. This is Super Bowl for born-again believers. This is, the, But there's one guarantee. We win. We win. And we win. Amen. Amen. So the porters are going to give you instructions at this time how to come up here and what order to come forward. Just follow their lead. And again, bring your Passover offering. Take the communion articles back to your seat. We'll receive it together. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the people that are giving today and the people that can't give. If there's anyone in here without a job, Lord, bless them with employment. Not just any job but place them in the particular place you've assigned for them. 
I thank you, God, that you meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Bless this Passover offering and return it to the people a hundredfold. We thank you that you gave us everything we have. We are blessed and we live where we live, drive what we drive, and do what we do only because of you. And this is our way of acknowledging and saying thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name.